What's up, Dolphins fans? And welcome to this Wednesday, October 13th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. Today on the show, our focus is on the offensive line. Who are the long-term building blocks up front amidst this young unit? Plus, he's back to Atangavaloa, designated to return from IR, meaning all signs point to a week six return against the Jacksonville Jaguars. All that and more here on Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at draftnetwork.com, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day, your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it, even in the worst of times, in which some fans feel we are in right now. And we choose to not have an overly negative mindset here on Locked On Dolphins. We're looking at what we have, uh, looking at who we need to be most interested in in the weeks and the months to come in this kind of critical window for Miami where we don't really know what way uh, is the team going to zig? Are they going to zag? Is is Are they going to right the ship and bounce back and be competitive after a one and four start? Some tough questions. And uh, yesterday on the show, we went through the skill players offensively and looked at, well, based on financials and long-term contract status and skill and certainty of talent of players and uh, versatility to, to be able to fit any number of different roles, who the players are that, that we can hang our hats on and we, we should anticipate are going to be long-term building blocks for Miami. And we've kind of developed a system, and I'm going to open that up and then let you guys on the YouTube stream, Locked on Dolphins, hit like on the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're into that kind of thing, and if you just like audio, then please continue amongst your merry day, uh, assuming you've hit subscribe on Locked on Dolphins. Uh, offensive line is an interesting group, but before we get there, we do need to address the uh, the big news, which was Tua Tagovailoa designated to return from IR. He's eligible to play this week against Jacksonville. Brian Flores, the messaging has continuously been building towards it sounds like he's going to play. Uh, we've gotten through this five-game brutal gauntlet to open the season, which we knew was going to be a tough stretch, uh, was exacerbated by the injuries to Michael Dieter and Tua Tagovailoa and Raekwon Davis, but Raekwon came back last week, played a significant amount of snaps. Sounds like Tua's coming back this week. And that even further feeds into a little bit of what we had discussed yesterday on the show, which was uh, Tua Tagovailoa is an incomplete evaluation. Let's let's go ahead and pull this up here. Let you guys on the YouTube stream take a look at what we're working with here. So we are looking at kind of a, an impromptu evaluation system for the Dolphins and identifying um, long-term building blocks for Miami and. Uh, there's a couple different variables at play. The, the merit of the player's talent is obviously the most important. And if you're an adequate starter or better, I'm, I'm willing to classify you uh, as somebody who can be a long-term building block. Uh, but there's also how long-term is your contract? Are there red flags, whether it be injury-related or athleticism-related or size-related? Uh, how much guaranteed money does the team still owe you? What is your age? You know, if we did need to sign you to a new deal, 
how much value would it cost Miami to get those done? And when we work through the skill positions, uh, you found the long-term anchors of that group. Uh, Tua Valoa is an incomplete evaluation. So it's hard to say. So him returning against Jacksonville and having 12 games uh, to presumably play and showcase his his ability to grasp this offense, which uh, looked promising in week one until the mistake at the end of the game uh, with the turnover uh, that the team survived and then the injury in week two. This is a pretty critical window for Tua because obviously everybody knows about the black clouds on the horizon, right? And what the uh, the rumor mill indicates is something that we're going to have to be worried about. And as we look at the rest of the group, we had Miles Gaskin, adequate starter, low money investment. He's versatile. He's young. Makes a lot of sense. Jalen Waddell, he's a rookie. Uh, but he's a long-term contract. There's a lot of money here. He's not going anywhere. Lock him in. He's a long-term building block. Lynn Bowen Jr., also an incomplete evaluation, but somebody we did identify from an age, cost, versatility perspective would make sense to, to provide opportunities to work with from here. Mike Gusecki, if you get him on a contract extension, becomes uh, probably your best anchor as a long-term building block. Uh, and then Hunter Long, same rules apply. He's a rookie, long-term contract, low money investment. He's versatile. He can catch the ball. He can block. Put him down, long-term building block. That's the that's the skill group, which now takes us to the offensive line, which, as I had mentioned, is a really, really interesting group. I, I have it divided between offensive tackles and interior offensive linemen. And I moved Austin Jackson, who started in week five uh, against the Bucks at guard, at left guard, I've moved him to the interior offensive line group. So right now, the offensive tackles that exist on the roster are Liam Eikenberg, Jesse Davis, Greg Little, Keon Smith, Roderick Johnson, and Larnell Coleman. There's, of course, some practice squad guys there. Uh, Larnell Coleman's on IR uh, with an injury. Here's how I break this group down. Liam Eikenberg is, of course, a rookie. They traded up for him in the second round. He's under contract through 2025. He's 23 years old. They've already started the cross-training process, right? But even from a versatility standpoint, which is one of the big measures here that we're, we're looking at, the fact that I think he can fit gap power and the fact that I also think he can fit predominantly inside zone, I think he's athletic enough in the run game and playing forward and getting out of his stance that he can do some wide zone type stuff as well. Like there, there's a pretty good level of versatility to his game that I feel pretty comfortable in saying, I think Liam Eikenberg can be, and I want to make sure you guys who are on the video can see the headers here at the top. Liam Eikenberg can be somebody who is a long-term building block for the Dolphins because he has positional flexibility, can play guard, can play tackle, played fairly well. Surprise, surprise. You take a career life, lifelong left tackle and you put him at left tackle and he plays better than he played at right tackle. Huh. 22 years old, 23 years old, excuse me, $3.4 million in outstanding guarantee money starting next year. That's cheap. That's cheap labor. That's, that's one of the appeals of building through the draft, right? If you hit your picks, you're getting insane value for long-term guaranteed money. Jesse Davis and Greg Little, I have tagged as quality depth players. 
Uh, Greg Little is appealing because he has zero outstanding guaranteed money because he was obviously acquired via trade. Uh, both of these players, he and Jesse Davis, uh, are expiring after the 2023 season. So they have year and a half, year and three quarters left on their current contracts. And between the two of them, you have $1 million in outstanding guaranteed money, and that is owed to Jesse Davis. Quality depth pieces, and, and this was a point that I discussed yesterday when talking about guys like Savan Ahmed and Preston Williams and Mac Hollins. You'd be well served to keep a lot of your depth players, provided you're not paying an exorbitant amount to keep them. Uh, but I don't want to classify them as long-term building blocks because you're not building around depth, right? So Greg Little's really fascinating to me. He's not had the opportunity to get active on game day, which is a little surprising at this point, uh, given the musical chairs that they've played on the offensive line. Uh, I'm not sure whether to chalk that up to the fact that he got acquired late in the season and he's still picking up the playbook. I don't know. Keon Smith, Roderick Johnson, these guys for me are not NFL roster caliber talents. Uh, they're on the practice squad right now. Keon Smith, he's a restricted free agent this offseason. Roderick Johnson, um, currently on the the restricted uh, the the practice squad as well. And then Larno Coleman, I have down as a practice squad developmental player. Look, it's the same rules that apply to Jared Dokes. If Larno Coleman didn't go on IR, he was going to be on the practice squad because he was a seventh-round pick out of UMass, and he's very athletic, but he was very, very, very raw. And I don't think anybody can dispute uh, that that Larnell Coleman was ready to play in NFL games, and therefore you automatically de facto get that practice squad uh, developmental player designation, which makes you not a long-term building block. So the only name out of offensive tackles that in my evaluation of the players based on their talent on the field and based on the peripherals, the important things about how long he's under contract, how much money he's owed, how old is he, is he versatile, so on and so forth. Liam Eikenberg, the only offensive tackle that I would consider to be a long-term building block. So he joins names like Miles Gaskin, who's rated as an adequate starter, Jalen Waddell as a rookie, uh, Lynn Bowden Jr. as an incomplete evaluation, Mike Gusecki pending a contract extension. Currently an expiring contract, Hunter Long, of course, and then the incomplete evaluation that is to a tongue of Aloha, which again makes his return in week six so critical. And again, we're having this conversation now. I had a couple Dolphins fans say, why are you doing this in week six? Because we need to know who the players are that we need to be monitoring throughout the course of the season to understand what weight is at stake for if they take steps forward, if they don't take steps forward, if they show us they have more potential, if they solidify themselves by the end of the year and we can consider them to be a quality starter or an, an adequate starter instead of developmental players or replacement level players. We need to know who those players are now because regardless of what happens at the end of the year, whether they fire everybody, they fire nobody, they fire Brian Flores, they fire Chris Greer, whatever the outcome is, we need to know who on the roster on both sides of the ball we can hang our hats on, we can rely on, we can expect to be here and be a part of the puzzle because how you fix whatever issues are going on with Miami and their roster right now is you understand who are the pieces that are going to be here for the next three years as an example number 
And then you complement those players with complementary skill sets. And then you have to do the jigsaw puzzle to say, okay, we need experience in this room. We need a quality starter here. This is what it's going to cost. And then you can kind of start to piece together the entire jigsaw puzzle of how Miami becomes a more complete team like we hoped they would have done this past year. But, of course, there have been a lot of struggles. Struggles running the football. Struggles in pass protection. Struggles with durability in the wide receiver room. Struggles with consistency in generating pressure without bringing blitzes. Struggles on the second level of the defense. Struggles with consistency in coverage. It's been a pretty erratic and high-variance performance. It's not all bad. And I don't think they have bad players in a lot of cases. When you look at this evaluation of the offensive side of the ball, and you, you see uh, pink players, uh, according to the, the grading scale that I have here on the left-hand side, for those of you watching on YouTube, are incomplete evaluations. You're seeing a lot of incomplete evaluations on the offensive line. And that, again, goes back to one of the troublesome self-inflicted wounds that we have in this rebuild in which there's a lot of inexperience by design and you're going to have a really hard time isolating individual variables to identify individual players as problematic part of the solution or coin toss that's what i'm hoping this conversation starts to get our, us mentally primed to observe over the next three months listen up dolphins fans you have an incredible app for everybody who buys gas, it's called Get Upside. Listeners are earning up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up at the pump. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for NFL. Get a bonus 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill up that's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash gets added right to your account. You can cash out at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card such as Amazon or other brands. Just download the free Get Upside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN with Get Upside. Shifting this focus to the interior offensive line. The names we have written down. Austin Jackson, now left guard, apparently. Robert Hunt, now right guard. Solomon Kinley, Michael Dieter, Greg Manns, Austin Ryder, Robert Jones, Derval Nito, Cameron Tom, and Adam Pankey. You got four guys, five guys, excuse me, right off the jump that are expiring contracts at the end of this year. They're Greg Manns, Austin Ryder, Derval Nito, Cameron Tom, Adam Pankey. Derval, through the international program, he's going to have an opportunity to stick beyond what the other guys do. Uh, but I don't know that any one of these guys are hitch-your-wagon-to type players. And I think Manns and Ryder are quality depth pieces. Uh, I think Derval Nito is still a developmental player. Showed some bright flashes of physicality and athleticism in the preseason. Uh, but he's obviously very raw. He came over as a defensive lineman uh, from Brazil. 
Cameron, Tom, Adam Pankey, I don't think ideally are making an active roster. Which leaves Robert Jones, who for my money, he made the 53-man roster. Uh, but for my money, he's still a developmental player that ideally would make the practice squad, and I don't think that's too hot of a take considering he was an undrafted free agent this year. Which leaves you the big four inside. Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Solomon Kinley, and Michael Dieter. A lot of draft capital invested in this group. And if you're watching the video here, you can see we have zero answers with any of these players, any of them, they are all incomplete evaluations. Austin Jackson moved from left tackle to right uh, to left guard one week ago. Robert Hunt spent his entire rookie season playing right tackle, kicked inside to right guard this offseason. Solomon Kinley was a right guard last year. Now he's a left guard. Michael Dieter. Started 15 games in 2019 as a third-round pick at left guard. Redshirted effectively in 2020, and now he's a center. Your sample size for these guys is Zippo, zero, nada. And that's a challenge. And I hate that for Michael Dieter. Because I think out of this group of players... Michael Dieter looked like he was going to be the most consistent one and could have classified himself as an adequate starter. I think the ceiling for the other Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt, predominantly based on their athleticism, is higher. But right now, Michael Dieter has an injury red flag because he's on IR, because he has a lower body injury, and we don't know if we're going to see Michael Dieter again this season. It's not expected to be season-ending reportedly, but we really don't know for certain when we're going to see Michael Dieter again. And for the same reason that Tua Tungvaloa coming back to play Jacksonville and presumably the rest of the season is so critical for him, missing this time is br a brutal blow to Michael Dieter because I don't think you can get away with just hitching your wagon to him and saying, oh, well, he'll be healthy next year. We don't need to address the center position. Good luck with that. So I'm hoping we get a chance to see Michael Dieter for a significant portion of the remaining 12 games on the schedule. If we don't, we have to put it down as a need. Even though he is under contract through 2023, he was obviously a third-round pick, He's got positional flexibility. I think he's got scheme versatility. He's 25 years old, so he's still young. And I was really encouraged by the early returns on him at center. I think he could be an adequate starter uh, inside, but we don't know for sure, and we might not know. And because of that reason, uh, his long-term building block status is a maybe. Solomon Kinley, I have tabbed. Uh, with red flags for size and athleticism. His mobility is obviously a problem. Uh, his size, it seemed as though the Dolphins weren't super pleased uh, that he came in as big as he did this this year. And obviously that was part of you know, training camp. Liam Eikenberg getting booted inside the left guard to kind of put Solomon in the, the doghouse and have him play on the third string for two weeks, so on and so forth. He's under contract through 2024. He's 24 years old. He is a player that I don't think has a great deal of scheme versatility or positional versatility, 
I mean, maybe if you want to get into left side versus right side, you can have that conversation. But out of this group of offensive linemen, I don't think he's overly diverse. I don't think you can uh, – he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt of being a high draft pick. And he has numerous red flags uh, as far as what his current profile projects. He's still on the bench. He's the sixth offensive lineman, but if you needed a swing tackle, uh, I don't know that Solomon's getting the call up unless we're playing musical chairs with Jesse Davis again or Austin Jackson potentially. Fourth-round pick, athleticism issues, not particularly scheme-diverse. I'm not ready to go to bat for Solomon Kinley, and I like Solomon. I think with this specific regime, he could still end up being a starter. I would love to see if Dieter were healthy. I would love to see Lee Meikenberg at left tackle, and then let's go Austin Jackson left guard since he surprised me with how well he played there against Tampa Bay. Still led the team in pressures allowed, but he, he did surprise me because I was expecting a total dumpster fire. And then Michael Dieter at center, and then give me Solomon Kinley at right guard and Robert Hunt at right, right tackle. We're not going to get that, though. Speaking of Robert Hunt, uh, he's another incomplete evaluation. Uh, he has not taken overly well uh, to the transition inside to guard. He's okay, uh, but the sample size here is extremely small. Uh, he's owed a small amount of money in the big picture for NFL salary cap purposes. Uh, guaranteed money at, starting in 2022 is $1.7 million and change. He's under contract through 2024. He could play tackle. He could play guard. We don't know if he could play either one at a high level because he hasn't settled into one yet. So he is an incomplete evaluation, just like Michael Dieter, just like Solomon Kinley, and just like Austin Jackson. Who, if you would have had me leaving Austin Jackson at tackle, I would have put him down as a replacement level player. I know he's athletic. But I had seen enough at offensive tackle. Him at offensive guard, he's 22 years old. He's still very young. He's owed a ton of money relative to everybody else on the offensive line, $8 million. He's the 18th overall pick. He's under contract to 2025. Yeah, he is a, a player who, from a, a cost perspective, unless you're getting somebody to, to trade for him, and even still, you're going to be on a hook for a significant amount of money. So the best thing that can happen for us is that Austin Jackson does hit the ground running as an offensive guard, and he does have staying power there. Because if that happens, if he becomes a, a quality starter or an adequate starter at offensive guard, you don't need five-plus starters on the offensive line. You're only as strong as your weakest link, and for my money, you can't have two bad players playing next to each other. Easier said than done, right? For Miami, you got a bunch of high-variance guys that are playing next to each other, and that really complicates the projection for these players. You're going to get one guy that's in the zone in a singular matchup, and then another guy who's going to struggle, and then the following week it's going to be flip-flopped. These are the self-inflicted growing pains that this team has, but when you look at the entirety of the offensive line, I think Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, and Michael Dieter can maybe be long-term building blocks, but it depends on how they stabilize throughout the next 12 games. So if we're looking at just the players 
who are, are considered building blocks and who can be building blocks. You put one of these filters on here on this Google Doc that I'm working on. Offensive side of the football in its entirety. Tua, maybe. Gaskin, yes, but he's an adequate starter, so the ceiling's not high. Jalen Waddell, rookie, long-term contract, yes. Lynn Bowden Jr., zero risk in dollars, very versatile, incomplete evaluation, but that's a guy that you want to keep around and use him as a multi-tool guy. Hunter Long, rookie, long-term contract, versatile, yes. Liam Eikenberg, rookie, low-cap financial implications, long-term contract, versatile, yes. Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Michael Dieter, maybe, maybe, maybe. We don't know because they have not settled into their current positions. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. There's no settling involved with Built Bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, 100% chocolate on their, all of their bars. They're absolutely positively delicious. And right now, you can visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. So this is one of the things that jumps out to me about the offensive side of the ball is there's still potential, but there's a lot of unanswered questions. And unfortunately for Limbo and Jr. and potentially Michael Dieter, we're not going to get those answers. So you can assume because Limbo and Jr. and Michael Dieter have an outstanding guaranteed money value combined of less than $250,000 in guaranteed money they're both probably going to be on the roster in 2022. Dieter's contract expires after the 2022 season. Lynn Bowden has two years after that. But you can't bank on either one of those guys. right? And even, I think it would be foolish to bank on Miles Gaskin because he is an adequate level starter. I think his ideal role is somebody who's a complementary back in a stable. So you don't really have a lot of firm identity pieces here. I'm, I'm an idiot. I sorted the wrong thing here. Please excuse me. I omitted Mike Gusecki. There we go. The contract extension that looms with Michael Gusecki is obviously a big one because Mike is the only player on the offensive side of the ball that I currently have evaluated as a quality starter who has the potential to be a long-term building block. And even that is dependent on them giving him a contract extension that probably is going to be in the ballpark of 11 to $13 million a season. The only other two players on the offensive side of the ball that I currently have tabbed as quality starters are Devontae Parker and Will Fuller. And those guys are 28 and 27 years old, respectively. Both have injury issues. Parker didn't play last weekend. Will Fuller's on IR. You can't rely on either one of those guys, especially considering what their salaries are. Will Fuller signed a deal worth about $11 million with incentives that could have got him up to 13. Devontae Parker's got a cap hit this year that's over $10 million. 
I think Devontae Parker is a potential trade candidate this offseason. Uh, if you do just straight up part ways with him, which I would not advocate for, uh, there's a modest cap hit involved. Will Fuller is probably going to walk. I think his next contract's probably going to be cheaper than the one that he got because this season's been a disaster for him thus far and a prove it deal. So we find ourselves again kind of having to hope that the young guys take the step forward that we need them to to internally acquire some building blocks and cornerstone pieces on the offensive side of the ball. Here's the good news. Tua Tungvaloa, durability aside, he's the number five overall pick in the draft for a reason. Fundamentals, footwork, accuracy, those things are good. He's not prototypical size. He's not a mismatched speed player. But if he can get right between the ears, I still think Tua Tungvaloa can be a winning quarterback in the NFL, a high-caliber winning quarterback in the NFL. He'd be a player who wins with what would be an exception to the rule, but we've seen exceptions to the rule materialize before. Drew Brees is a great example. Drew Brees wasn't a killer with his arm or a killer as an athlete, but he won between the ears. That's where Tua Tungvaloa over the course of the next 12 games is going to have to inspire the Dolphins. Miles Gaskin, I think, is a low floor or a low ceiling, high floor player. Jalen Waddell has a lot of potential. And Jalen Waddell is open a lot more than he is getting the football down the field. He's only got a handful of targets beyond 10 yards, but he's open a lot down the field. I know everybody's down because he dropped a couple of footballs. Like Jalen Waddell's drops are probably like the 15th to 18th thing that's wrong with the Dolphins' offense. Just the offense. Limbo and Jr., a lot of ceiling to tap into. Here's a gadget player. I was really in- inspired by the way he played down the stretch in 2020. Dude was a dog. Mike Isecki is the only established quality starter that I think can serve as a long-term building block, but you're going to have to pay him. Hunter Long, I liked his resume. Liam Eikenberg. I like his resume. I love the fact that we're finally getting him at left tackle and he played his best game. And then you got this trio of physically talented offensive linemen that were high draft selections, top 100 draft selections, and Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, and Michael Deere. This is the group. Tongavaloa, Gaskin, Waddle, Gisecki, Long, Eichenberg, Jackson, Hunt, Dieter. We know we're not going to see Limbone Jr. He's on IR. He's put on IR before the end of the preseason. We won't see him again this year. But those other names are the names that I think we need to focus and dial in on as this is the future cornerstones of this roster. And that's not to say you can't go out and get elite players in the offseason. You should go out and try to get a couple of elite players in the offseason to complement these players. But this is the working infrastructure that we have, and we need to see exactly what we have in these names. I love the fact that we have three names as candidates to be long-term building blocks up front, but they got to go out and they got to do it on the field. And that's up to them, nobody else. Hunter Long, let's start getting this guy some of these Adam Shaheen and Durham Smythe reps and stop wasting everybody's time. Smythe's an expiring contract. He's a modest player. I appreciate how much dirty work he does for the team, but the ceiling's just not there. 
If Hunter Long is grasping the offense in any capacity, put him out there and let him play. He play, he knew it well enough to play 18 snaps or whatever it was against the Patriots in week one. He's got a higher ceiling than both Shaheen and Smythe. And it's not like those other guys are winning their one-on-ones anyway. Let's continue to look to feed the football to your best players offensively, which if Devontae Parker's not going to be available because of a hamstring issue and Will Fuller's on IR again, then Gaskin, Waddle, and Gasecki are who this offense should run through. And that's a fair enough grouping with enough explosiveness, enough receiving ability, that they should get the majority of the touches. I think they're your best players. I think they're your most dynamic options. And they're the players that you ideally would build around long-term based on my personal evaluation of the players in question. This is fun. We're doing offense the rest of the or defense the rest of the week. And I can tell you this, you have a lot more defensive building blocks than you do offensive building blocks. A lot more. Like on every level of the defense, there are players that I'm going to advocate for need to continue to be here. How we sniff out what continues to go wrong on a week-by-week basis on the defense, we'll get into later this week. So make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. I am Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. I hope you guys have a great Wednesday. We're going to have a crossover Thursday edition as well. We're going to have Joe Rose on. I've been texting him this evening to get something lined up. So we're going to be bringing the heat this week. The Dolphins are not where we hope they would be. But there is still so much that we need to work through as a group to kind of get our heads around and stay calibrated and keep perspective and understand that an underwhelming season or an underwhelming start to 2021 is not game over for the Dolphins. There's still a lot of infrastructure that's been put in place and a lot of wiggle room with where they can go from here. But we got to know where our eyes should be to get the answers we need to know what direction they should go. And that's what we're doing here on Locked on Dolphins. Cheers. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll talk to you guys again soon.